Hallelujah. Open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 8. David, are you ready? Amen. Did you bring your Bible? Woo! Amen. And uh, I love it. Like I say, I use all the technology and do everything up, but there's something every time I open up my Bibles and I see, Rabbi Gunn, I have one at home that I do my devotional in, and uh, just going through and marking different things at different places and where God has talked to me, I always see the footprints of my walk with God in this Bible. Amen? Say this with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I am empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you in these next few moments by your Holy Spirit. As Paul prayed, I thank you that the Holy Spirit will open our hearts. Holy Spirit, come. Open our hearts to hear and to receive the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, somebody said, Amen. Amen. So, Romans chapter 8, and I want to read a verse, and the title of this message this morning as we move on is just this. It is, walking with the Spirit in 2019, no buts about it. And that will become clearer in a moment. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We're not called to walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen? And if you look over at verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Now, I'm just going to give you a little forewarning. We are going to see a major shift in the political leadership in our nation. In this coming year, we're going to see a major shift in California. California is going to be under a shift. We're going to a supermajority of liberal leadership in our state. And uh, in that way, meaning they can pass anything they want without any cooperation and do that. And, and so in our government, there's going to be when people take over the, the, the houses of government there, we're going to see we've seen an onslaught against our president. You're going to see more negative than you have ever seen before. And in the coming year, you're going to need to know how to be led by the Spirit, probably in a greater measure than ever before. Because you want to make sure you're making decisions based upon the wisdom and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and not just on the negative clutter that you're hearing around you. There's going to be just, and an, an, I just tell you by the Spirit right now, there's going to be things that you're going to hear so much about. And people are going to get anxious. They're going to get nervous about things. And so it's going to be of a necessity that God's people know how to be led by the Spirit. Amen? And how to walk with the Holy Spirit. So look at the cover of your outline. Why is a right understanding and relationship with the Holy Spirit so significant to our lives in the coming year? And I believe that's part of it. I hear people all the time making decisions about things, and many times, and very little of those decisions sometimes, some of them life-changing decisions, very little has connected to being led by the Spirit. It's mostly connected to natural consequences and circumstances and situation, and then hopefully on the end, there's some kind of God connection in there. I'm just saying. So it's so important that we know how to be led by the Spirit. And first of all, one of the first reasons is, is because Jesus declared that it was to our advantage that he went away. You're there in Romans. Go back to John chapter 14, if you would, just for a moment. I just want to read a quick few verses with you here this morning. 
and uh, to illustrate this to you. But in John chapter 14 and verse 16, Jesus says this, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. So this is what Jesus said, that he's praying that God would give us a helper. So Jesus declared it was to our advantage that he went away so that the helper would come. So if Jesus declared he was sending help, we must need it. Just look at somebody and tell them right now, I need help. (laughs) Amen. We need help. Amen. In John 15 and verse 26, Jesus said like this, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. Somebody say truth. So what I'm saying, you're going to hear a lot in the coming days, in the coming months, in the next couple of years. You're going to hear a lot, and it's going to be important to be able to hear the truth. To know the truth and be led by the truth. The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And then in chapter 16 and verse 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Somebody say the truth. Look at that. He says, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go, the helper, somebody say helper. The helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Praise the Lord. So Jesus has declared that he has sent us help. Are you with me? One of the hardest things for all of us to do is to admit that we need help. That's hard for all of us. Which is why men struggle with reading directions. We don't think we need to follow the instructions of the one who made the item we are trying to put together. Just kind of spread it all out there on the floor and think about it. I thought about doing it, but for time's sake, it wouldn't work. I thought about getting like a couple things from Ikea and just open them up and take the directions out and have a couple guys putting them together without any pictures or anything. Just put the parts out there and put them together while I was preaching. But you'd be distracted, so I just figured I'd do this. Amen. But think about it. We do the same thing with our spiritual life. We think, who needs to follow the instructions of the one who created us? I don't, I don't need any help with this. I get it all figured out. People say, I don't need to go to church. I don't need anybody to teach me. I read the Bible for myself. I get it all figured out. I do it all myself. I don't need to follow the instruction. And then we come away, hey, that's what grace is for, isn't it? No, grace isn't for sloppy Christian living. That isn't what grace is for. That isn't how grace works, and we'll hit that again in just a moment. So second reason that we have a right relationship and understanding with the Holy Spirit is because he comes to equip us with divine empowerment. He not only helps us in every situation, every circumstance, but he equips us with God's divine power in our life. We were never meant to live our life in Christ merely by our own strength and ability. He (coughs) comes, excuse me, He comes to equip and empower us to live for Christ and to serve others with the same anointing as Christ did. Or the Holy Spirit equips us to do what Jesus said we would do. Jesus said, He that believes on me 
and the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Amen? And so Jesus did all of his work, all of his ministry was by the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his life. And you and I receive that same anointing. We're called to do the same work, to live as he lived and to minister one to another as he ministered by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is recorded is the recorded accounts of the Holy Spirit working with and through God's people to change the world. Acts 17 and verse 6, they said to them, hey, these who have turned the world upside down have also come here. Or the church or believers were gaining a reputation for influencing their culture. And what was happening was, is they were actually turning over where, where, where there was uh, idolatry, uh, uh, idolatry worship, worship of idols and different gods and foreign gods. Paul at different times in Acts 16, he's thrown in jail because a lady who is a, 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 has divination and sorcery and that and, she, and people gain a living by her and they make the little idols according to how she prophesied. And then Paul cast the devil out of her. And so they're no longer able to make money. So then him and Silas get beaten, thrown in jail. There's other times, there's another sorcerer where Paul goes out and he calls that guy to be blind. And, and people quit believing in that. Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. Are you with me? Amen. And so culture is being changed. People are impact. God's people are impacting the culture of their day. They're not conforming to the culture. They're impacting their culture. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And not so much turning the world upside down, but turning the world right side up. Amen. Think about it. There are over 70 references to the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Uh, I went back through, and I just began reading in my Bible at home. And that's what I love. I go on, I make a little asterisk. And every time it talked about men and women of God operating by the Holy Spirit, being baptized by the Holy Spirit, everywhere in the book of Acts that had any reference to God working through men and women at that time, I marked it over 70 times. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is referenced. So the book of Acts is the record of the Holy Spirit working through God's men and women. Amen? And what it means is that men are his vessels, and he is the one doing the work. When we come into relationship with the Holy Spirit, we say, God, I am your vessel. Use me however you want. Are you with me? And so that is transformational in our lives when we press into that kind of relationship. Think about it. Jesus commissioned his disciples to tarry and to wait for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because they had no false illusions about their inherent suitability for the task of taking back the whole world. The great commission was this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. How many know that's still upon us? To take the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, born as a baby in a manger, grown up into an adult, to live a sinless life, and then to give that life as a ransom for you and I upon Calvary's hill, to die, to be raised again on the third day, to be glorified, to sit by the right hand of the Father, and then to pour out His Spirit upon us so we can declare this glorious gospel. Amen? And to everyone who would believe. And so the disciples have no illusion that they were equipped to do this. So man, they're thinking, this is quite the task. We need some help. And so they waited for the power. Think about it. You cannot fulfill a spiritual task without a supernatural Savior. Amen? 
You cannot fulfill a supernatural task without a supernatural Savior. Jesus promised him a supernatural endowment with power to do the work he was commissioning to do. You see, the Holy Spirit removes all the but. One of our problems is when it comes to serving God, we just have too big of a but. I got a got a big butt. It's gigantic. If I'm gonna be blunt about it, and you know what? The funny thing is, I got several big butts. And, and, and before you before you discard me or, or wince at the disgusting notion of that, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and suggest that possibly you have at least one big butt as well. Yeah, you like that? Hurts a little, huh? Let me tell you something. Let me just tell you something, okay? Everybody we know has a big butt. And more often than not, it's the thing that actually gets in the way of us living a consistent life for Jesus. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. But I'm gonna expound a little bit, okay? See if you can recognize some of these butts. But I have to work more. But my favorite TV show is on. But my kids have practice. But I gotta tweet something. But it's such a beautiful day. But I'm just not in the mood. But I deserve a break today. You see, everything kind of interferes with my life of, of just living an authentic life for God, okay? And more often than not, it always has something to do with some sort of butt, okay? Even the littlest of butt can distract me. It really can. The littlest butt can make me think, well, I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to think about it today. I'm not going to deny myself. I'm not going to read the Bible, blah, blah, blah. Whatever God asks me to do, I seem to have a butt for it and get away, okay? And the most horrendously big butt of all time is the butt that gets in the way of me just hanging out with God and reading His Word. It's true. Think about it. All the times you're about to open that, and all of a sudden a big giant butt gets in the way. A butt, much like one of these. But I got a farm bill, but I'm tired, but the game's over, but I read last Tuesday, but I gotta check Facebook, but I don't like Leviticus, but it's too hot in here, but I, I just don't like books, but I don't understand it, but it's boring. But what does that have to do with me in the 21st century? Those are some ugly butts, people. Let's just call them what they are, ugly. Ugly butts. Okay, and there's a lot more to them, sad but true. Here's a list, although not exhaustive, of some of the most popular butts known to mankind. But I don't have enough money yet. But others will think that I'm a nerd if I carry the Bible. But they won't like me if I talk about Jesus. But I don't know if God will do what I ask. But I just can't get motivated. But I'm afraid. But I don't have all the answers. But the small group was the same night as Monday Night Football. But can I just let my life speak for itself? But I'm not happy. That's not my gift. That's the pastor's job. But I don't know how to pray. But I can't believe that. But I don't know where to start. But everybody else is having fun. Butts abound, friend. But, 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 but. Here a but, there a but. Everywhere a but, but. Okay? And, and, and the most overused but of all time, but I just don't have enough time. Really? Oh, come on. We have a lot of buts. God has given us a real simple word. Okay? If we learn it, and we share it, and we teach it, and we live by it, then see, God gets glorified, people benefit, and then we get blessed. That's why we do what we do. That's the why behind the but. Okay? And ultimately, that's the whole point I'm trying to make here, my fellow butt lovers, is if your butt is bigger than your why, then your butt's too big. Okay, it's time to, metaphorically speaking, snap into a Slim Jim. Okay, let's slap on some spiritual shape-ups and hit the road a little bit so we can just manage the butts a little bit. That's all we're trying to do. That's what we're talking about. Let's minimize the excuses. Let's shrink the butts. Shrink the butts. Say it with me. Shrink the butts. That's what we need to do. And you and I can do that together. We can conquer this. You and I can do it if we start today, okay? I know we can. Let's just do it. No ifs, ands, or... Yeah. I think you get it. The Holy Spirit was given to get rid of your butt. Everything people give as an excuse 
is a disclaimer against the Holy Spirit working in their life. Every disclaimer we have for not being used by God, not being able to do anything for God, is a disclaimer against the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because God does not ask us to do anything out of ourselves. He fully equips us to be used by Him. He gives us His Spirit, a promise, a helper. Everything we need, even as we continue in this series on the Holy Spirit, think about prayer. One of the hardest places, one of the most places, or say this, get it out right. One of the places that we feel the least adequate at times is prayer. I'm always amazing when people will say to me, uh, will you pray for me? You're closer to God than I am. He hears you more. I know God hears you. And that always amazes me because what they're doing is just qualifying themselves in their relationship with God. And somehow thinking somebody else is at a greater place in relationship. If you're born again, God's Spirit lives in you. You can't get any closer to God than God living in you. The only difference is some people believe He lives in them. Some of us live out of the reality of what we believe. Are you listening to me? But the other part about it comes in prayer, and this is one of the other areas. One thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is being able to pray in the Spirit or pray with other tongues, even in worship. How many ways can you declare your worship to God? Worshiping God and praying in the Spirit and singing in the Spirit. The Bible says that, that in the book of Acts that they heard them speak the wonderful works of God. How many know God by His Spirit knows how to worship Him? Does it make, I don't know, worship Himself. I don't know if that makes sense. But God equips us to be able to give Him the praise that He is worthy of. If I could say it like that. But even in prayer, if somebody says, hey, could you pray for me? I have an emergency. I have a situation on our prayer chain. We get so many people request for prayer. Somebody's been in an accident. Somebody has been diagnosed with this. How do I pray? If I'm only praying out of my limited knowledge of my understanding, in your mind, in my mind, however much you have studied this word, however much of this word, however much understanding, you have a limit to what you can pray in your understanding but you are limitless in your ability to intercede by the Holy Spirit because Romans 8 says that the Holy Spirit makes intercession through us praying the perfect will of God for the saints so we're able to pray in divine perfection God equips us and enables us to pray so if I'm only praying out of my own understanding then I'm not tapping into all that is mine and so my I have a huge but when it comes to praying so we can shrink the butt amen Hallelujah. So look at this. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says, And you shall receive power. David, if you'd put there, you go, You are so on it, buddy. You are awesome. And you shall receive power. The question is, How much power? Listen to what Jesus And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So how much power do you receive? Let me put it like this. If you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you know you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit and you're praying in another tongue, raise your hand up real high. I'm not ashamed. I pray in tongues. Hallelujah. So I said, okay. There. So in that area, so he said, you're going to know you've received the Holy Spirit. And so the limit is how much power have you received? Limitless power. The fullness of his power. <coughs> but 
we hear all the disclaimers. God says you will receive power, but then we start issuing disclaimers to how much power. So the power promised is, manna, is the manifest grace of God by His Spirit in and through our lives. Here, the grace is the power of Christ at the point of your need. Grace is not just, grace means just unmerited favor. God working in your, for your favor on your behalf when you do not deserve it. And His favor is always His power rearranging things for your benefit. Are you listening to me? Grace is God's power working in your life. It's not just a term, a Calvinistic term for salvation that gives us excuses to do things. Grace is the power of God upon your life in manifest expression. Limitless manifest expression. Think about it. We are saved by grace, God's power exercised through Christ to defeat the enemy of our souls and to break the yoke of sin off of our life. Grace is the saving, healing, delivering, and equipping power of the Holy Spirit. Grace is the work of the Holy Spirit in manifestation. Amen. We know and agree that we are saved by grace and that we do not have the power to save ourselves. But then for some reason we choose to live by our own power, strength, and gifting and abilities, wisdom and knowledge when God has made his manifest grace available to us. If I'm just living by my ability, I haven't taken advantage of the great grace that is upon my life. Amen. So think about it. You may not agree, but I see almost everything that this world has to offer as a counterfeit for the real thing that God has for our lives. You don't have to agree, but I believe everything this world has is a counterfeit for the real. Amen. Amen. So think about it. The world always tries to offer us something in place of what God has given to us. At best, a cheap substitute and a poor imitation for the real and true promise and provision of God. But when God's people lose the butt, somebody say lose the butt, and get hungry for him, he begins to shine the light of his truth upon all that is false in this world. All the glitter begins to fade away. He reveals to our hearts the glory and splendor of all that is ours in and through Christ. I want to just interject this here. I have a revival study Bible that I read, and it's a compilation and a lot of a little notes in there that I use in my devotional Bible at home in that. And uh, one of the accounts in there was about John G. Lake and... Uh, his wife had, had, uh, uh, was dying of cancer and that, and there was no cure. And they began to read, said, wait a minute. And he got a revelation that the power of Christ was upon him. That, that he wasn't powerless, and this wasn't a powerless situation. And he just prayed, and he made a declaration. And, and, and after a time prayer, he says, at 9.30 tomorrow morning, my wife will be completely healed. And you know what happened? At 9.30 a.m., his wife instantly was healed and got up out of bed. And it changed everything about his realization. And then they launched the healing uh, uh, houses there in Seattle. And there are over 100,000 documented healing. And he began a Bible school. And his Bible school was this. The way you graduated from Bible school is they gave you somebody who was terminally ill. And you graduated when they got healed. 
Over 100,000 documented healings. Amen. So what I'm saying, but listen, but we, but listen to all the butts I'm throwing out here. But we say, oh yeah, but. And so we come up with disclaimers. Amen? Instead of saying, pressing in. When we lose the butt and we get hungry for Him, God begins to shine His light upon our life. Think about it. When His people begin to call upon His name in purity and faith, in hope and in worship, this is what happens. He responds. When we seek Him, we find the real thing. So hear this with me as I get, wind this down. I'm going to walk through this quickly with you. Next week we're going to get into fast and prayer and take this a little further. The lion's strategy of the enemy has always been to get God's people to become content and satisfied with less than what is their rightful inheritance in Christ. Everybody look up here. You have a great inheritance in Christ. This is what I do. When I read the Bible, I want to know why I can't do that. I want to know why I can't have that. I want to know why I, I can't operate and, and experience everything that anybody else experienced in the Bible. Amen? It's all, if we, if full gospel means that we believe the whole Bible, we believe the whole gospel, we believe everything is for today. How many believe everything is for today? If I believe everything is for today, then I believe it's for today for me. It's not just for today for that other person. I want to take all the buts off of that. Amen? And believe that it is for me and I can have that. But there's a price to walk in it. And even like we talk about fasting and prayer. It'll take some fasting. It'll take some prayers. It takes some denial. It takes some time. It takes losing all the butts. Amen. The devil longs to get God's people to advocate their authority to another on their behalf. Turning over their right and privilege to walk in the fullness of all that is there. This is what's happened over the last several generations in the church. People have turned over all the spiritual power to the ministry. They expect pastors to be super spiritual and to get everything they need and just kind of serve them that today should be a spiritual smorgasbord and every need that is in the house will be served by me today. Nobody is that good. Are you listening? And that is not what it is. The purpose of the ministry is to teach you that you can press into the things of God, that God can use you so that the whole body edifies itself in love. So that while you're in a service, God could speak to you. Pray for that person next to you. They're going through something. Let them know that I know they're going through something. And then let them know that I want to be an answer to them. And I'm going to heal them right now. And I'm going to heal them because I'm talking to you to pray for them. So I'm going to touch them through you right now. Woo! That's awesome, amen? But... But, so, we would rather have pastor just get it and go up and just get it served to us. The ultimate goal is to get people to believe that they have something that they have never received. To think that they got it when they've never had it. To live short of the promise thinking that this, this is it. To become content in the wilderness of their journey, never expecting or pressing beyond to possess the promise of their inheritance. I want you to walk in the fullness of the inheritance of God. Can you say amen? 
God has a fullness for your life. But there comes a day when God sends an encounter our way. For the men of Ephesus, it was when the Apostle Paul and ran, they ran into the Apostle Paul. His question to them was this. Did you receive all that is yours when you believe? Paul asked the disciples on the road to Ephesus. He said, did you have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? His concern was this. They were living with less than what was theirs in Christ. That they had received less than the fullness of their inheritance. Yet thinking they had it all. That as of yet, they were without the promise of the Holy Spirit in their life. So I'm just going to take you through a quick walk through this real quick. Is that we know that in the beginning, God created man and he formed him out of the dusty earth. And then he breathed into his nostrils and man, the breath of God, and man became a living being. Or God put his spirit on the inside of man. And man became a living being, a spirit being. And man lived in the presence of God, God's presence. He was there in his presence. Man at that point was created and he was eternal with God. Amen. So here he is. He's in the presence of God. He's eternal with God. But then there's this thing that comes into play. There's a tree that comes into play, some fruit up here. Man eats of the tree. On the other side of the tree, man becomes dead in his trespassing sin. So man goes from having the life of the Spirit of God on the inside of him and living in the presence of God to just living over here just as a soul. With no life of God in him, no anything in him. And man goes from being eternal to going to time. Man moves from being the place of eternal back into time. But then God moves on man's behalf and God brings Christ into play. And Christ on the cross again. This becomes the tree of redemption. That redeems us. And then from here, God is able to restore us. And so man comes into an encounter with this tree. And on the other side of the tree, the promise of the Father is now poured out. And it says in John chapter 20 that Jesus once again breathes on them and says, receives the Holy Spirit. So God breathes the Spirit back into them. And then the promise is that God pours out His Spirit again upon all flesh. And now we again live in the presence of God. And now we are told again that we are now eternal. Now we have what? Eternal life in Christ in us. Are you with me? And that's where we live. That's the gospel in a stick man illustration. Glory to God. So look, here it is in your outline. In the beginning, God formed man, breathed into his nostrils. Man's fall and transgression re redefined his life. Through Christ, we've been given a new genesis, a new beginning, regeneration. In Titus 1.3, for the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Regenerating. A new genesis is what the root of that word means. So God in Christ a second time breathes his life into man so he can once again become a living soul, being born again. Think about that. Paul said, or Jesus said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again for what's born of the flesh is flesh, but what is born of the spirit is spirit. Are you with me? What's born of the Spirit is spirit. So then he goes through there. And then Jesus. <coughs> so J J John tells, Jesus tells Nicodemus that just life was not enough. 
And then he says, he also gave the promise of more, the promise of the Holy Spirit, and told them to wait until the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And so we have the Spirit of God in us and the Spirit of God upon us working in our life. And then Jesus confirms that prophecy of John the Baptist that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and power on the day of Pentecost. It happens. The disciples receive the promise and tell everyone this it, that it is theirs as well. Peter stands up. This is what Joel prophesied. And then he says the promise is to you and to your children and to your children's children and to as many as are far off. How many know what I'm trying to do this morning is shrink the butts? Amen. Get all the excuses out of the way and press into a new year in 2019, believing to see God work in your life in a greater measure than ever before. Think about it. They begin to walk in power, in the power and the promise, making no small stir about them. Acts chapter 3 through Acts chapter 6, they are people living beyond the normal of their day. Think about Peter. All this happened. Then here's Peter, and he was over here. He comes to Calvary. He sees Jesus. He's over here in the upper room. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And something is deposited on the inside of him. And he says this, silver and gold have I none to the lame man, but such as I have give I to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And immediately strength went into a man who had been lame for over 30 eight year. This is what we do. We disqualify miracle. Can we think because somebody's been lame from birth, somebody's been blind from birth, somebody's been crippled for years, somebody's had a debilitating disease or a chronic problem for a year that somehow it isn't going to get healed. Over and over, the woman who had been bound for 18 years walked into church one Sunday and Jesus said, hey, Satan has bound her, now she is healed. What John G. Lake read is he read that where it says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good who were healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He says, wait a minute this sickness upon my wife is the oppression of the devil. Every person Jesus healed and delivered was being oppressed by the devil. And he rose up and said, the devil is not going to oppress my life or my wife's life or anybody else's life as long as I can help it. And he rose up, and in the name of Jesus, he broke that oppression, and his wife was healed. Are you listening to me? When we realize that we've been anointed with the same Holy Spirit to break that oppression off of people's lives, there's a boldness that comes upon you. We don't have to put up with this stuff. Are you doing all right? Amen. Hopefully I get three people excited would have a revival. Amen. So what happened? Then what happens is, is they are able to identify men in their midst that are full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit who walked in the power of the Spirit. They said, this is what said. They said, choose out seven men among you who are full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And, and so they could recognize the Spirit of God upon people's lives. At every turn, though, persecution from the religious crowd. This is what always amazed. Religion always tries to kill the move of God, not the world. The world wants an answer. Religion wants to stay crippled. The world wants an answer. The, it was the religious people that kept telling the disciple, don't preach in Jesus' name. Don't heal anybody in Jesus' name. The world that was getting healed said, bring it on. Amen. Think about that. 
Every turn of persecution from the religious crowd arises, tries to stop them, but they refuse to give in. The problem is man wants to be his own God or in control. Then what happened? Philip goes down to Samaria, preaches the gospel in power to them. They repent, they believe, but as of yet, none of them or the Holy Spirit has not fallen upon any of them. So Peter and John are sent down that they might receive the promise as well. And they laid their hands on them and they received after they believe. A short time later, Saul is confronted and converted by the Lord. He's now waiting for a man named Ananias to come and lay hands on him and pray for him to receive his sight and to be filled with the Spirit after he believed. Acts chapter 10, Peter's at Cornelius' house and declares that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have and commands them to be water baptized in the name of the Lord. You see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was the evidence that God gave to Peter that he had also given them the free gift of salvation in Christ for they heard them speak it says Acts 10 46 Peter's there and they all begin to speak and said wait a minute they've received the same Holy Spirit that we have so they must be saved and this is where people get hung up when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit it comes with an evidence it comes with an evidence, a confirming sign. God gave his spirit in a way that we would know that we have received it. But the devil is the thief. I'm telling you, the church has been ripped off and Christians have been ripped off because there's been so much stigmata and misinformation given around praying in other tongues. And the minute you say tongues, people go into a religious convulsion. Tongues. But they heard them speaking in other tongues, praising and magnifying God and prophesying. And if people would just study the Bible, they'll find out that every time the Holy Spirit comes upon people, they would speak even for just natural preaching. And we don't mind it if it's just in our understanding. Because we like to keep God confined. We like a little bitty God that fits in our brain. We just shrink God down to fit within our understanding instead of saying, God, I don't want to understand it all. I want to experience it all. I don't want to understand God. I want to walk with God. You, you, can't, you can't understand a miracle. That's what makes it a miracle. Signs, wonders, and miracles. It is a sign that makes you wonder that it's a miracle. Are you doing all right? And so God moves in our lives in a mighty way. I'll never forget. I'm looking at Brenda. I just looked over there. I saw Brenda. I'll never forget. She got baptized in the Holy Spirit right in the hallway over here. We walked after her service. She goes, Pastor, I don't know. I don't want to get out. I said, well, let's just pray right now. Next thing you know, we're praying. She's praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. God just comes upon her right there. Any place, anywhere, anytime. Are you listening to me? All this is available. Hallelujah. And the disciples weren't willing to let anybody go without it. Think about this. Peter used it as a defense for baptizing Gentiles in Acts 11 and in Acts 15. Paul and Barnabas are separated to the call by the work of the Holy Spirit that God was calling them to. They begin to travel and to preach the gospel. The disciples are filled with joy in Acts 13, 52 and with the Holy Spirit wherever they go. Apollos is filled with the Spirit after only knowing the baptism of John. Paul's encounter with the disciples. Bill, if you come back to the keyboard, please. Paul's encounter with the disciples of John at Ephesus leads them into the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And so where are we this morning? I can't believe we got through this whole thing. (laughs) 
You get all, they get all the butts out of everything, the message goes really quickly. So where are we today? We're like Apollos and the disciples at Ephesus. All we need is someone who will take us aside and expound to us the way more accurately. So that we too can live in the Spirit. This is God's will. For you to live in the Spirit. Listen to that. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The will of God is for us to be alive with the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit. To pray in the Spirit. To be used by God for His glory through the power and anointing of His Spirit upon our lives. Being filled with the Spirit and having no more buts in our lives. I know the only restriction and the Holy Spirit convicts me all the time by just saying this. This is really how simply the Holy Spirit talked to me says you want to walk in that you already know what it costs to do that it'll happen when you're ready to pay everything God gives you is a free gift there's just a price to use it it's a gift to the Holy Spirit but there's a price to use it you have to the price of putting you aside and saying yes to God the price to receive is putting away all your arguments everything in and just saying yes to God stand with me this morning so how do you want 2018 to go out I keep thinking about this in an interesting way that December 13th marked 40 years of me giving my life to Christ 2019 marks 30 years since we started the church so I should just go okay this has been a good run it's time for me to relax no I want more I want more I spent all this time learning to get to where I am amen now it's time to use what we got amen think about how long you've been saved wherever you are and just say God I just want more amen I'm asked the rest of the worship team to come up and I want you, if you just want more this year, maybe you're here, you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're just, maybe you're just soul dude today. Maybe just this dude right here. And you've never been born again. You've never become a Christian. People say, well, I'm a Christian. That's good. But are you born again? Nicodemus was a religion man, read the scriptures, was prominent, had, had prominence in so many areas of his life. He was the cream of the crop of the religious crowd. But Jesus looked at him and said, dude, you need to be born again. You need to be born of the Spirit. Maybe you're here today and you just need to make that decision to come and give your life to Christ. See, where you're standing right now represents 2018. Where you're standing right now represents where you are. So if you want to move from, from where you are and where you've been and what you have into something more, then move up here right now. Let's end this year telling God we want more. God, I just want more. I want more of your spirit. I, I want to remove the buts, the excuses, the limitations. I don't want to speak in disclaimers anymore. 
And as you come, I just want you to begin praising God. Come on, this is your decision. This is not a prayer I can pray for you. My job is to deliver a message to get you to respond to God. My job is to preach you to a response where you respond to God and you say yes to God. So right now, I want you just to begin to open up your heart, begin to tell God what you want. What do you want God to do in your life? Tell Him what you're willing to pay. God, I'm willing to let this go. I'll put this down. I'm going to fast and pray. I'm going to seek you, whatever it is. You begin telling God right now. Just begin pressing in right now and telling God. Hallelujah. Sing that song, No Place I'd Rather Be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.